You are listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. You can turn to this passage, Revelation 21. And, and we are in the habit of not putting the verses on the screen, so I'll give you an extra second to actually find the text yourselves. Oh, thank you. And if you're looking for a place to sit, the, look at this table. It's like really long and cool. Um, they're not a click, they've told me. So um, you, could, you could come up front and join them and um, find a place to sit. Turn to Revelation. So either in the Bibles we provide on the tables or maybe you brought your own Bible, either paper or electronic format. Um, that is cool. And I'm going to read it in the NIV, the new NIV translation. Um, Revelation chapter 21, 1 through 4, it's this image of like the new heavens and the new earth and, and this final scene, this conclusion of, of the Bible and this mystery of our faith that someday we'll see this, uh, this heavenly um, image of God and his people and new Jerusalem. So it says this, it's John speaking, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any, any sea And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, and here's the image, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Anybody, any guys in here? Are you married? Any married guys? So you, I imagine, have this image that you can never forget of standing down at the front of a church and seeing your bride come to you, this beautiful image of of a bride coming to her husband, that the city filled with its people, because it'll talk about the people in a second, is the bride of God. How awesome and beautiful is this image? Um, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying, uh, for the old order of things has passed away. This whole image is like us as the people of God in this city coming towards God. It's God's, and he's going to dwell in it, and it's, it's just a pretty cool image. So let's pray with that image in our mind before our Heavenly Father. And God, we thank you today for this image of church, this image of of coming to you like a bride that it's, it's, it's all ready and, and beautiful, coming to you and you loving us as, as God, as, as this heavenly husband would love uh, a, a heavenly wife. And God, we thank you for that image. We, we reflect on it and think about it. And God, we, we give this time over to you as we study about the church and who we are as this community of your people. And God, may we give you praise and honor and glory. And so we worship you, Lord. We praise you. And everybody screamed, amen. Well, I want to tell you a story about uh, this guy. Anybody recognize this guy? Um, that's the former pastor of the mill, Aaron Stern. And uh, he, he's gone to Fort Collins and he's planning a church. He's doing great. He's someone who I have a lot of respect for, for lots of different reasons. And one of them is the way he would speak, um, preach and give messages. And he was this master of sermon illustrations. He, uh, lots of preachers are, are um, gifted in different ways. I think his gifting was taking an idea and making it like, like a visual, like, oh, I see what you're saying because you have this visual aid. And through the course of many years of being at the mill and listening to many of Aaron Stern's sermons, he had uh, sermons where, which he like blew things up on stage. He, I remember, and I can't remember what the, the illustration was for, but I remember he had this big etch-a-sketch and he was like smashing it with a sledgehammer. I remember him, he like built this huge doorway and was like 
popping in and out of this doorway and like pretending like he was the devil tempting someone. It was pretty cool. Um, and then he chainsaw some stuff on the stage. There was this time when he, we faked a power outage at the mill and it was complete with like a, a fake arc, like a current electricity, like shooting fake embers into the people were like, oh my gosh, we're all going to die. The place is on fire. And it was, <laughs> it was, touch. it was this really cool sermon illustration. <laughs> Um, like faked his power, like all the lights went out, and then and there's like this idea, what do we do now? Let's worship. And then I remember him telling everyone, oh, the, the power outage was faked. Let's turn on the lights. And people were like, no. It was like so good of a sermon illustration. But anyways, one of my favorite sermon illustrations was when he read a letter. Way back in 2008, we were in this church, uh, this series, this sermon series called I Like Church. And he read this letter. Maybe some of you were there. It was a while ago, but... Um, he basically read this letter, and he said, um, I want to preface this letter by saying that my wife, Jossie, knows that I'm reading this letter, and Aaron's wife, Jossie, is the most kind, wonderful, um, like, patient woman. So the letter is going to, like, throw her under the bus, and, and so people were just totally shocked um, about this letter. Basically, the letter was this girl writing Aaron. Hey, Aaron, um, I wanted to write you a letter, um, and uh, I appreciate you and all you do for the mill, and thank you. You know, lots of your points hit home for me, but I wanted to share something with you. Um, You always talk about being honest, and so here goes. And and the letter says, Aaron, your wife, Jossie, has got to be one of the most difficult people I've ever met. And like the, like the air went out of the room, like, oh gosh, like who would say this about Jossie? She's, she's not that lady. Um, and it goes on and says, you know, I've tried to connect with her and she was flippant and I had an appointment with her and she canceled last minute. She's flaky. She's nitpicky. It goes on to say she's pious. And Aaron stopped from reading the letter and said, I was reading this and about to explode. Um, and then he continues, I absolutely, so this is the letter, cannot stand your wife. And so people are just like, oh my gosh, who wrote this? Um, it says, why did you even marry her? I'm no longer attending the mill. I'm, I'm taking little pieces of the letter because I do not want to see her anymore. Just thought I would let you know all the best. Have a great one. <laughs> it's like, whoa, this letter was like, boo. And so everyone in the mill is just like, oh my gosh, who would write that kind of letter? Um, and, and people were like, oh, I know a girl who's not going to the mill anymore. I bet it was her that wrote that letter. Uh, man, I hate her. How could she say those things about Aaron's wife, Jossie? And it wasn't until the next week uh, when Aaron on Friday night said, hey, by the way, I wanted to clarify something and say that that letter was totally fake. Like he had written it as a sermon and everybody was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Um, Because they were so mad. Like people were so mad the week in between because, because it's like, who would write this horrible letter to Aaron about his own wife and say, oh, Aaron, I love you and I love what you do for the mill and uh, you're great, but your wife is, is horrible. She's the most difficult person I've ever met. And, and, and Aaron used that as an illustration of maybe that's what we do when we say sometimes about God and the church, God, I love you. You're awesome. You're great. But I hate the church. And it hit home as this illustration, like, oh, is that what we do when we say something like that? It's like telling a man, hey, I love you. You're, you're awesome. You're funny. You're great. But you're white. I can't understand why you even chose her, why you even got married. She's an idiot. She's so stupid. She's flippant. She's pious. She's with all these things. Like how, how could you like do that? Like you can't do that. You can't say you like the husband and, and say such horrible things 
about the wife. And, and it's like, maybe that's what we do when we say, God, I love you, but I hate your people. I hate the church. And so anyways, I wanted to bring that up as an illustration. It's like, wow, that, in, at least in my own thinking and my own life, that illustration that Aaron gave uh, was so poignant and, and, and like spectacular for me. And like, oh, I guess I will never do that again. This make this assumption that, oh, I love God, but I hate the church. It's like, no, I can, the, the God and his people, they go hand in hand. And so that's kind of today's topic. Uh, we're going to talk about church. So welcome to the Mill Sunday School. We're glad that you're here. Um, the Mill Sunday School, or New Life Church Mill Sunday School, it's open to everybody. So if you're younger than 20-somethings, or if you're older than 20-somethings, that's totally cool. We're really um, opening this up as a, as a tool for New Life, because I know some of you are in high school sometime, sometimes, and you're embarrassed. And like, Can I come? Yes. We don't card people at the door. So Welcome to Sunday School. Uh, we're glad that you're here. If you would like to, there's these cards on the table. It's, a, it's like a new person card. You could fill one out and bring it uh, back to the, to the back as you leave. And there's like a gift bag for you with a CD, information about the, the church at large. And uh, Brady Boyd, our senior pastor's new book, uh, Sons and Daughters. So that's just a little gift for you, uh, our way of saying thanks for coming have a gift. So there's that. And as far as an intro today into what we're talking about, we have been on this nine-month series. How many of you were in, here in September when we started this thing? Oh, lots of hands. Um, so we started this systematic theology way back in September, and we've been plugging away, and we're almost to the conclusion. Here we are in April, starting church and traditions, and then next month we'll t- talk about the end times, and we will have done the order, the system of doing systematic theology. And it's really been really, we're not even done yet, and I've heard really cool um, just people thanking me and us for what we do and podcasting what we do, and people from even Bible schools like, oh, no, oh, this makes sense now. Like, I had all these different classes of theological things, but it, now we're getting this bird's eye view of all things theological, and it, it all is beginning to fit together for me. And, and what we believe as Christians and the, what theology is, I have such a better understanding. So thanks for sticking with us through this topic. It's when we started it, it was this very nerdy endeavor to go through the entire system of systematic theology, and we're almost done. So sweet. So here we are talking about ecclesiology. What does ecclesiology mean? Study of the church. That's what we're talking about all this month. What the church is, who the church is. Um, And so I wanted to begin with that question. What is the church? If you stop and you think about it, maybe some, um, because I'm going to ask you for a definition of church. That's the discussion question that we will get to in in a couple minutes. But I imagine if you're like me, the first thing that comes to mind if someone asks, asks you, what is church? Well, probably images come to mind of what church is, or analogies, maybe biblical images of what the church is comes to mind. So if I ask you, what's the definition of the church? Maybe this paragraph doesn't come to your mind, but maybe words like the church is the bride of Christ. Um, Like Ephesians 5 talks about husbands and wives. And I always, I've done quite a few weddings now, and I, I, I sometimes make this joke, and it always um, is a cool joke. Any joke is cool at a wedding because, like, everybody's dressed up and nervous and smiley and happy, and you're just kind of looking for an opportunity to be joyous and laugh. So it's like, if you were a comedian, you should do weddings. Like, that's just, anyways, 
totally inappropriate. But I always make this joke. Um, I say, Ephesians 5 says, uh, wives, you're to be like the church, um, or, ordained and holy and, and come before the, the God, you know, blameless. Wives to be like the church. And I always say as a joke, husbands, you have the very easy job. All you have to do is be like Christ. And everybody laughs. Um, Come on, give me a, throw me a bone here. Um, so anyways, it's not my joke. I've heard it a million times at weddings. But anyways, that's this image that the church, we are like, we, guys and girls, um, are somehow this communal uh, body of, of people that make up this image of being a bride before God, holy, beautifully or, 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 ordained, or ornately dressed or whatever, coming before God. And God is so happy with us that we are his people. Another image that's in uh, the context of the New Testament is that uh, we are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3 says, don't you know that you yourselves, and so it's very plural here, this like you all, we all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells within us. Uh, and then there's this line that I think some people have mistakenly taken as um, this, this idea about suicide. Um, and it says, if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. And so it's like this idea that, oh, if, if you dest- since you're the church, and if you destroy yourself, then God will destroy you. And I think it's a proof text. I, I think it's wrongly used here to talk about what suicide is. And, and there's um, suicide is kind of in the news right now because of Rick Warren's son. And I think we as the church just need to have grace and, and mourn with those who mourn and say that this passage is very clearly in the Greek plural. Like you all, we all are the church. Because it goes on to say, God, uh, for God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. And it's very clear in the Greek, like, the, like when we say you, I could be saying one person or I could say you and mean all of you. Uh, but in the Greek, it's very clear that this is a plural word that we uh, communally, we, you all, if we're Texans, uh, you all are the community of God. You all uh, are the, the church. And so it's this plural idea that if you, this warning, don't destroy the church. Uh, God's people. It's, it's not a, a, a text about suicide here. Um, that's just a side note. But we all are the temple of God. There's another image of who we are as, as the church. Another image is uh, a nation. Like First uh, Peter uh, 2, 9 says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So that's another image of who we are as a church. Oh, we're like a nation. Well, we're not exactly like a nation, but we're like a nation. We're, we're kind of like a temple um, in that the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We're kind of like a bride in that we are going before the Lord and we are his and he's ours. Um, and, and one more image is a very popular image. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Like this idea that each of us are like, diff- like parts of the body, like an eye or an ear or the hands and feet of Jesus. We are this, this image of God on this earth. We do, when we do what we do, we are like bringing what God does on earth. And when we uh, say what we say as the church, it's like God speaking here on earth. We are his hands and feet. We are his mouth uh, on this earth. And so that's another image of who Christ is. 
But those are all images. And so I'll go back to this idea and say, what is the definition of church? It's easy um, and helpful to use images. Oh, we're the bride. We're the body of Christ. But what is the definition? What, what is that? We're not a body. We're not really a bride. Uh, we're not really a, a temple. That's a building. But we're like those things. But what is the definition of church? And uh, if you're like me, uh, the first thing that probably comes in your mind, if, I, if, if someone just came up to you and said, hey, what's church? You'd say, oh, it's the building, the, the place where, where people meet. And here's our logo. This is a church. Or it's like, oh yeah, New Life Church. It's the building, right? It's uh, this place. Um, on, on your notes, I put a picture of a very famous cathedral. Anybody recognize it? It's in Paris. <laughs> yeah, I keep hearing it, but no one well, shouts it out. Notre Dame, yeah, de Paris. And so you could tell by the big stained glass thing and then the, are the, the out ex, exoskeleton uh, arches, whatever, they're, they have a special name, I forget. Anyways, uh, so is the church just the building? Is, is church, um, what is the church? Everybody put your hands together like this. And, and then bring it down like that, and then go like that. And we teach kids. What do we say? We say, this is the church right? And this is the steeple. Open the doors. Ah, that's all the people. <laughs> but is that, the, is, that, is that the church? And that's the steeple? We'd say, no, that, that's not. The church is the people. And in fact, if they didn't have a building to meet in, they'd still be the church, right? And, and so you might say, okay, if we're, if we're gonna, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is ask you at your tables to write down a definition of church. And so if I asked you to do that, you could be really quick about it. It's like, uh, the church is the people who gather on Sunday and worship God, period. Sweet. High five each other. We're done. And it's like, well, what I really want you to do is to, to think and rethink and, and maybe in some way, in a kind way, tear apart your definition and say, well, what if the people don't meet on Sundays? I talked to lots of people who can't make it to Sunday school for a very good reason that they work on Sundays. So for them, church is Friday night or church is Wednesday night or Saturday night or whatever. It's like, do you have to meet on Sundays? Well, no, you don't have to meet on Sundays. So it's like, oh, I guess it's just people that, that worship God. And then you could, you could say, well, if we're being nitpicky here and really trying to define something, um, what are, let's say a group of people get together and, and they pray to the gods of Buddhism and they, they meet on Sundays, let's say. And they, it's like, are they part of the church? We say, no, they're, they're, well, they're praying to a different god and they're spiritual and they should be commended for being spiritual and gathering, but they're worshiping a very different god. They wouldn't be Christians. They, we would say, oh, they're not part of the Christian church. Um, they're maybe part of their own church if, if they even wanted to use that term. Um, but then, then it's like, oh, no, we draw the line and say they, they worship the God of the Bible, maybe. And it's like, well, if we're going to get nitpicky and talk about that, well, then what about other people? Do we include or disclude, uh, let's just say, for example, Mormons in our definition of church? Because they would say, oh, we believe in the God of the Bible. Um, it's like, well, or should they be a part of the church then? Well, I don't, I don't know. So I will let you decide that question and, and work on this. So as a table, um, and you could get into smaller tables or bigger tables or a group. So write down, like actually assign someone a scribe um, and write down, uh, what is the definition of this word church? How would you define it? And then I'll go out and have some of you read your definition. So ready, get set, go. Check, check. <laughs> 
All right, I have a microphone here for anyone that would like to read the the definition that the, that they came up with with church. And I also have, if you're like, oh, I'm too shy. Well, if this sweetens the deal, I have Sunday school stickers that I will give you if you share, and you can wear it all day and show your mom or your dad or your kids if you have kids. Look what I got! I got a Sunday school sticker. What'd you get? Um, anyways. Who, who would like to start us off? I saw people pointing at people. Okay, right here. You, don't, you do not have to stand up. Unless you want to. You don't have to, though. But you do get a sticker. I'll give you a nice, a pink one. Would you like a pink one? There you go. So we basically, we didn't go into, you know, is it the fellowship of believers or Christ followers? We basically said, like, she talked about sharing, uh, sharing life together. Yeah. And so we looked at Acts 2, starting in verse 42. Yeah, Acts 2.42. Breaking of bread. And, yeah. <clears throat> and uh, de- devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, breaking of bread and the prayers. And then later on in verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all people. And so they so eat together, eat together some more, li- pray together, together yeah. have things in common, take care of each other. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Excellent. Yes, this group over here. So we said that church is family. Yes, I love my sticker. We said that church was family um, because we've all been adopted by the Father and we're all brothers and sisters. Good, yeah. Church is family. So it's like a family. You just are a part of the family because you're a part of the family. That's what you are. You can't get out. It's a good thing, I think. Um, yes, Jordan, I'll, I'll come back here. <clears throat> and maybe uh, another one or two people can share after Jordan. You, you can't do that, Jordan. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> we started with the approach to answer the question, uh, what the church is not and what most people think it is. And so we agreed that the church is not a building yeah. Uh, that you go to, it's not a denomination that you're a part of, mm-hmm. and that it's not exclusive, meaning that you Good. don't have to fit a certain mold to be a part of the church. We agreed that it's the community of Christ. If you are a believer in Christ and the Lord, that you are a part of the church. You yeah. are a part of the body. So you don't have to have a certain style or a certain color of skin. Or uh, great. Yeah. Maybe one more. Okay. I'll come back up to the. All the way to this weird long table thing that's constructed here. <laughs> so are you speaking on behalf of the entire? No? Okay. Just, just this half. Okay. We said the Christian church is the global community of Christian believers who gather in God's presence for purposes including but not limited to worshiping God, reading scripture, instructing one another, and fellowshipping together. That's a good in definition. In his presence. That's like, that's, did you look that up in the dictionary? No. You came up? That's good. <laughs> well worth a sticker. Here you go. <laughs> so yeah, that, I've heard great definitions, uh, really good definitions of what the church is. And, and let me share, um, I just have four words. Um, and it's not just I came up with this. Um, this goes back to something we've been talking about throughout uh, the Mill Sunday School. And you'll, you'll hear people talk about this creed. It's a pretty important creed, and we, we say it sometimes as New Life or at the Mill. Um, it's the Nicene Creed, 
Came, it was composed, the Council of Nicaea, and Nicaea, what is today Turkey, um, as part of the Holy Roman Empire, or just the Roman Empire, I guess. Um, and it was this first ecumenical council, this worldwide, ecumenical means worldwide council. People from all over the known world, at least at the time, came together and they said, what do we believe? And they came up with this creed. And the last paragraph of this creed has to do with church. And so I'll put up the last paragraph here. And it says this, I'm sure you've heard it before. If you've been around church very long at all, you've probably said the creed. Uh, you've been in a group where they've said the creed. And this is the last paragraph. It says, I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And you could see that the first sentence has something about church and what we believe in as far as what church is. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. And so I want to concentrate on each of those four words, because I think those four words represent uh, what we as a church have believed for quite some time. I mean, if this creed was, came, up, came up in the 300s, well, it's now 2013. For many, many years, the church has been saying this creed, affirming this creed, and, and it's kind of stood the test of time as, as people have looked back in Scripture and as, as the church has met and said, yeah, this is what we believe about, our serves, about ourselves. We are one, holy, we're Catholic, and we're apostolic. So what do each of these words mean? Let's take them one by one quickly. Uh, the first word is the word one. We are one. We're not two churches. We're not three churches. Uh, we're not uh, Presbyterians, Baptists, and non, non-denominational. It's like, oh, the church is three. Church is three heads. No, the church is actually one. And, and Jordan's, uh, his table, I think that's the point they exemplified that, oh, we're, no matter what uh, we look like, no matter what country we're in, no matter what the color of our skin is, if we are believers, then, then we are one. We're, we're part of this one church. Um, so that's the word one. I think that makes sense. The, the word holy is next. I think this is this idea that we are called apart. We are called to look different than the world. And I think there's been lots of mistakes with church. I think every one of us as individuals has made mistakes and corporately we, we make mistakes corporately as well. But the church is called to go back to its teacher, to go back to the God they believe in, to go back to the ways in which God has said this is the way I want you to live. And so if a, if a church, and I say church with the air quotations, is, uh, believes in the Bible, they say they believe in the Bible, and yet maybe fill in the blank as far as like what they're doing or not doing doesn't line up at all according to the teachings of Jesus. They're hurting people. They're killing people. They're uh, sleeping around. They're, I don't know, you fill in the blank to, to what they're doing or what they're not doing. Well, then are they really the church? And, and you could say, well, maybe they're, they're full of mistakes and, and maybe they're not living accordingly and they need to change their ways and live according to the teachings. But if in some way they're just like totally in disregard to, yeah, I know the Bible says this and I know Jesus taught this, but we're going to do our own thing. We're going to follow the teachings of somebody else and we're going to do our own thing. And it's like, whoa, that, that's not the church, is it? Um, so I think we could say sometimes that, well, the church isn't being the church or maybe the church isn't even the church. Um, and that's, that's a little hypothetical, but um, I think there's this, this attitude that we should have as the church to return to the teachings of God and to be holy, to be called apart, to be separate. Um, the next word is Catholic. 
And lots of times this word is changed to universal or worldwide. And if you're at a church, um, I think that, that we change the word because we don't want to confuse people. Oh, because you'd read it and you say, oh, does that mean we have to be Catholic? Like the Roman Catholic Church, like St. Mary's downtown or uh, St. whoever. We have to be a part of the, that church to be a part of the real church. And so to avoid confusion, sometimes as Americans and with our English, we change the word to what it really means, uh, worldwide or uh, universal church. And I don't like to change it just because I'd rather explain it um, and to have us think about it than to just change the word. Um, but this idea that, well, when this creed was, was formed, there was, it was like one church coming together. And there has been denominational splits, and there has been the Protestant Reformation. I'm teaching a church history class, and we're right at the point of like Luther nailing the 95 Theses on the, the door of Wittenberg Chapel in 1517 and starting this pro- Protestant or the Protestants, uh, the people who protested the Catholic Church, starting that reformation of the church. Um, they say, like, yeah, we have split. We have formed denominations, but I think we'd, we could all say, let's step back. And despite denominational differences, despite um, how we look, or despite what country we are Christians from, the church is still worldwide. The church is, and it really goes with this idea of being one. So it's almost like one and Catholic are like said twice to really remind us that we are one, that we are worldwide, that we are universal. And that does mean uh, both the church past, present, and future. Like we can refer back to uh, the writings of the church fathers, even like maybe the writings of our not-too-distant church fathers, like C.S. Lewis. He's passed on, but we could refer to him as like, oh, he's a part of the church. He's a part because this worldwide, this Catholic idea that, that it, the church is past, present, and future. So that's one holy Catholic. And finally, this last word, apostolic. And this word comes from the idea of the apostles. You see the word apostle in there, apostolic. Um, that it comes from the teaching of the apostles, that the church has to reflect the teaching of the apostles that have gone before us, the people that were uh, witnesses and, and teachers uh, right after the same time of Jesus, right after Jesus. Um, they were eyewitnesses to who he was and what he taught. And if a church doesn't hold to the apostles' teaching, that it's, if it's not apostolic, well, then they would be referring to teachings of someone else. And, and that's where I think we would draw the line, just to use as an example um, and say, well, whatever the Mormons believe and whatever we believe, there's, very, there's a lot of similarities, tons of similarities. And there's maybe foundational differences. And so do we draw a line between us as Protestant evangelical Christians and Mormons? Um, I, I would say, well, in some ways we should, because if, if the apostles' teaching taught that Jesus is God and he never uh, had a beginning and he should be worshiped and praised above all other things. And okay, cool. That, that's what the apostles taught. And if we look at some of the teachings of Joseph Smith and the, the, the church of uh, Latter-day Saints, we would see that, wait, in their view, um, God was once a human and was one of us and lived on this planet called Kolob, and, and then God, Elohim, had some kids, two of them, Jesus and Satan, so they're brothers. And, and we worship the Jesus one, not the Satan one. Um, and it's like, whoa, 
That's, that's very different. I mean, there's lots of similarities between Protestant evangelical Christians and Mormons, but we would say that's, that's a little different than, than what we believe. We don't believe that God was once a man that lived in this planet Kolob um, and had some sons and Jesus and Satan were one of them. We'd say, no, that's, that's a little weird. That's a little different than what we believe. That's not the apostolic teaching that we received from the apostles. That differs from that. So we would say, that the church has to be one, holy, Catholic, and have this teaching from the apostles. So that, those are the three words that are often commonly used. And it's kind of ethereal. I mean, it's, I think you all did a, a, a great job with your definitions and, and pointing out, here's what it is, here's what it isn't. Um, and these, this is kind of ethereal. One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. What does that really mean? Um, I, th- I always think of like someone who's like, oh, I'm a part of the church. I... Uh, maybe listen to my worship MP3s and I read my Bible and I hang out in the Garden of the Gods. I'm a Christian. I'm a part of the church, but that's all I do. And it's like, well, is that, is that, what about the oneness? What about the Catholicness? What about the meeting together? And so here's these next two words that are in the New Testament, kind of uh, these words describing church. They're both Greek words. Ecclesia. Everybody say ecclesia and koinonia. Everybody say koinonia. Koinonia. So, Ecclesia and koinonia are these two Greek words that are often used um, in the New Testament, um, and I have English English sized to them because there's, they're usually in the Greek letters. But um, I want to make it easier for us to read. Um, so ecclesia is this idea of the called out ones. Ek meaning from, and ecclesia or lego uh, is this calling out. So the called out ones, the ones that are called out, and it usually has this intention of assembling together, like being called out and assembling together. Like this. This would be an assembly, for instance. Um, We're called out of our homes and out of our places, wherever we came from. We've been called out, called out of the world even. And we're assembling together. So that's the ecclesia part. And then the other part is this word that's often used, the fellowship. One of the definitions was referred to as Acts 2.42. The fellowship, that word koinonia is in that verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, the koinonia, the community uh, of, of belonging together, of doing life together, uh, eating together. Um, this idea that um, there's both, the, the assembling together and the, the fellowship. Because so I think we could have either, if, I think that there's ways in which we can live our lives and, and experience church and just have one and not the other. And I would say that's a, that's a bad thing to do, but you could just meet like, like maybe you're a C and E Christian. Do you know what that means? Yeah, Christmas and Easter kind of Christian. So you assemble together. You have the ecclesia, maybe twice a year. You meet together. You come to church. You sit there quietly. You listen, and then you leave. You, maybe you don't talk to anybody. You just kind of just assemble together. You check the box. You pat yourself on the back, and you say, I assembled twice a year. On Christmas and Easter, I came to church, and maybe we know lots of people that are C and E Christians, uh, Christmas and Easter Christians, or maybe we know people that, that maybe just come to church and, and don't like people. They just like check the box. It's like, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to listen to the sermon. I'm not going to talk to people. I'm not going to have this fellowship. I'm just going to come and check the box and, and not live my life with other Christians, not have fellowship or community or share meals together. That, you know, that, that's, I'm just going to meet and let, let somebody else, you know, entertain me, I guess you could say in a way. And that would be a very bad 
example of your church, if that's all you had. And then the other extreme, if, if all you have is the fellowship, if all you do is you and your boys meet at Applebee's and you talk about accountability once a month or maybe even once a week, and you like eat a meal together and you have this cool accountability group, uh, you and your boys at Applebee's, that's cool. That's great. That's koinonia. That's fellowship. Eating a meal together, talking about life, that's great. But then it's like, well, if that's all you do, well, where's the, where's the assembling together? Where's the teaching of the word? Where's the um, meeting together for, uh, for a bigger purpose? Not just meeting together, you and your boys at Applebee's, but meeting together for the purpose of reading the word, meeting together in a bigger group. You know, what about, what about other people that want to come to you and your boys at Applebee's? Well, they can't because it's just me and my two boys. It's like, well, what about the assembling together? What about being called out as a body of, of other Christians? So I think there's both. And I know there's both in the, in the New Testament. Ecclesia, being called out and assembling together. And the koinonia, the fellowship, the eating together, the, the talking, the sharing life with each other. Um, so that's what church should be. Um, so it's one holy Catholic and apostolic church. And that should be composed of fellowship and meeting together. So I want to say, um, as, as we continue here, that the church is great. The church is awesome. And you don't hear that very often, do you? You often hear God is awesome, right? I, I hear it a lot. You hear God is great. I hear that a lot. Jesus is awesome. Jesus is great. I like Jesus. I like God. But I don't think you often hear the phrase, church is great. Church is awesome. And I think we should. I think the importance of church is great. I think um, that we often do a lot of apologizing for church. And often what people see in church is some of the mistakes. And I think those stand out. And those are like these, you know, dots of black ink on a white paper. And, and I would say, you know, the church is mostly great. It's awesome. It's a really good thing. And there's these dabs of black ink on a white page that, that maybe that's all you can see. Maybe that's all the world can see is when we get together and we do something either stupid or hateful or vengeful or we make a mistake or a leader fails. Um, it's like, oh, those, those are pretty black marks on a white page, but it's still a white page and it's still, it's becoming holy and it's, it's one, it's Catholic, it's apostolic, it's, uh, we meet together, we have fellowship and that's a very good thing. That's a very great thing. Um, I like the quote that's on the back of our uh, notes. It's a sweet quote of the day by Martin Luther, the guy I mentioned that nailed the 95 theses onto the door of Wittenberg Chapel in 1517, starting the Protestant Reformation. And he could be one as seen as like, oh, he was kind of this guy that he's kind of our hero since we're Protestants. But in the greater scheme of like church and church history, he could be like this great, you know, church splitter. Um, and church splitters aren't cool. And sometimes church splitters are seen as like, oh, um, they think them, themselves are more important than the church. They don't have this high view of how important and great the church is. But Martin Luther is, is not like that. He says this, anyone, is to, anyone who is to find Christ must first find the church. Wow, that's kind of a bold statement. If you're to find Christ, you must first find the church. And then he argues, how could anyone know where Christ is? And what faith is in him unless he knew where his believers are? 
It's like, I like that quote. It's pretty powerful, pretty bold to say that if you want to find Christ, you first have to find the church. But I think there's a lot of truth in that, that, that it, in some ways, in a lot of ways, it, it can't just be you and God. I think maybe we could think of exceptions like, oh, you know, maybe someone who's living off by themselves because they got lost and fell out of a plane and they're in the middle of the woods and they have nobody else and they're living by themselves and maybe God can speak to them. And it's like, oh, found, found an exception to your rule, Joe. Um, it's like, well, that's a pretty weird exception. Um, <laughs> so let's move on. So the church is, and we'll come back to that idea, uh, important. The church is important. So it's great. It's important. And I think back to this idea of being an island. And that's where I was going with the guy that like imaginarily fell out of a plane or something or got shipwrecked uh, and is on an island living all by themselves. It's like, could they be a Christian? Well, maybe so. But that's a pretty rare example. I think the more uh, common example is someone who wants to be an island of themselves. Someone who, for whatever reason, and, and maybe there's lots of reasons. I think next time we'll talk about, so if you want to be thinking about this, like why do Christians, professing Christians, uh, you probably know some, who have given up on church, given up on assembling, given up on koinonia, or one or the other. Uh, why do we sometimes, um, and there's lots of reasons, but this idea of being an island to ourselves and saying, because I'm sure you have friends. I'm sure maybe you've gone through a season of your life where you were hurt by the church or something happened or you moved or you felt like there was no Christians around you or you, whatever. You're like, well, I, I have church. My church is me and my CD player, or I guess that's kind of ancient, an MP3 player. Um, you're listening to worship songs. So it's you, your worship songs. Uh, you, you got a Bible and maybe you'll Google some sermons. So you got a sermon, you got the Bible, you got worship music, and you got yourself and God. You're just like, oh, it's me and God, and that's my church. My church is me with my playlist of sermons and, and worship music, and uh, I'm going to read my Bible and, and sit in front of a computer screen and, and listen to the sermon and uh, listen to the worship. That's my church. And it's like, okay, so you don't need community. And they're like, no, I don't need community at all. And then you would begin to think about that and say, well, where did the worship music come from? You say, well, the, the Desperation Band. It's like, you know that they're real people, right? Um, and that they lead worship at, at a church. And they're like, yeah, I know, I have the CD. It's like, okay. And he's like, well, I have the Bible too. And he's like, well, do you know where the Bible came from? You know, it was written by people and prophets. We believe the Holy Spirit th- spoke through the prophets and through the writings of the, of the writers. And it was the church, the community, that passed it on. It's the church that copied it and recopied it and passed it down so that you can have that. So you do believe in some community, just not the, the present community. What was the other one? So they would have worship music and then a sermon. Well, that obviously is coming from someone or some church. And so it's like, well, you have this idea of church. You have all these pieces but you're missing out on the assembling together. You're missing out on the, on the fellowship. And I would argue that that is, in, in some ways, the cheapest version of church you can have. It's like, well, you know, the, the, you have some pieces that are right. The sermon, the, the Bible, the worship music. The, um, you have these pieces, but you don't have probably the most important piece, which is the people. Like, we all are the church. When we gather together and, and reflect, we are when we reflect on God and worship Him, we are 
the church. That's who we are. Um, and that, that is something I'm going to talk about next time and get into this idea of what our functions are of the church. That the function of the church is not just you and God. Because if it was just you and God, I mean, think, I think we really have that image of, of that because we're Americans and we like our independence and we like, um, I don't know, just me, that this idea of the Lone Ranger, this idea of um, just us and God makes a lot of sense to us. And it's like, well, wait, the church is, if the church really is this, this community, this body of believers, then, then what we do when we get together is we, we function as the church. We serve. We, um, we, we are, I've, I've heard, and I don't know that this is really true, but I do like the saying, that the church is the only organization that exists for its non-members. Have you heard that before? I was like, I don't know if, that's, if we're the only organization that does that, but, but we're one of them. And it's pretty cool that, yeah, we, we, we do have this purpose of not just me and God, but others and serving and leading others to Christ. So I want to end with uh, inviting Bobby Miklas to come on up. Um, Bobby works for the local uh, ministry here at New Life Church. So we think it's so important to, to serve that we have uh, a whole hired staff of, of people that help us as the church serve and arrange things. So here's a mic. So tell us about this opportunity that's very present for all of us for like today. Yes. All right. Well, I like what Joe said about koinonia being such a central focus to the church because when we're together, there's something about our interaction with each other. It speaks about who Christ is, the way we love each other. You know, so, so I love that. And that's kind of why we talk about loving our people through local ministry. And this week in this building right here, we're going to have three families staying with us who don't have homes. So they're living on the streets, they're living out of their cars, and they're working on job skills, working on life skills, but they don't have a place to sleep tonight or food. So we're going to come in and provide food and shelter for them. And this is a really cool partnership. Like here, in this building. This building, right, right. here. This morning, I was setting up beds in That's the classrooms. That's why there's like toys if you, when you came toys. in. Like toys. Those aren't for you. <laughs> um, and, and it's great because we partner with all these other churches in the spring. So next week, they're going to be at another church. The week before us, they're coming from another church today. And three to four months, these guys are going to be in a home with a job. And this program is, is so good. They do such a great job. So, I want to ask you guys, there's probably 50 to 100 people in the room or so, and we have about 12 spots that we still need help with. Bringing a meal, staying overnight and being available, um, coming and hanging out for dinner, evening activities. We're going to have a bounce house one night. We're going to have movies one night, things like that. So, I would like to invite you to spread some of the koinonia, if you will, and uh, consider being a part of this week. We're going to follow up with these families. We'll do this again in Christmas. It's an ongoing thing we do. If you want some more details, it really is really well done. It's not a one-off kind of outreach. Uh, it's real holistic and real intentional with the way we're taking care of these families and spreading the love. So really what I'm asking you is for you to come be yourself with some friends in this building sometime this week. So there's a tiled cross on the wall right there. Mm. And uh, I've got some sign-up sheets, and I'm going to give some more information. So 12 of you out of 70 or so, I would like to invite this week and come just spread the love. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Bobby. It's a cool opportunity. So let's be the church. Let's, let's as, as we will talk about next week, um, let's not just meet together. Let's not just have fellowship amongst ourselves, but let's serve. Let's be this bigger group that is, exists for its non-members, even if it, they never become a member. Let's serve them. 
and be Christ on this earth to them. So let's conclude. Let's pray. Um, Bobby's going to be over there up, up front. There'll be um, people if you would like prayer or to talk more about church. Um, there'll be people up here. So um, let's close in prayer. God, we thank you that you are present and real amongst this assembly, that you are present and real when we live our lives together, that we, when we have fellowship, you're here. You give us joy. You give us peace. You give us comfort even in the midst of trials and distress, that you are here. And we, God, we, we are honored to know you and to be um, considered your servants. So, Father, we leave here just excited to be the church, to be um, your hands and feet on this earth. So we love you. We praise you. And everybody said, amen. All right, friends, you're dismissed. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to the Mill Sunday School podcast. You can find more information at www.themillonline.org.